We are so excited you've decided to listen to this week's sermon podcast. Hey, we release sermon podcasts weekly, so be sure to follow us and hit that notification bell so you can be notified when episodes are released. God bless and enjoy. Amen. Genesis 1 and 1, if you found it in your Bible, uh, it's after the... Genesis 1 and 1. Y'all just stay focused right here and let's do this thing. Good things are going to happen this morning. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Anybody believe that? Verse 2, and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. You know, everything would have been as is and unchanged. But those six words right there. And the Spirit of God moved. Boy, when God moves, everything changes. Everything changes when God moves. And I want to preach to you for just a little while, the next 30 or 35 minutes. God still moves. God still moves. He's not a has-been. He's not a was God. He's not distracted. He's not asleep. He has not lost his eyesight or his hearing or his authority. His reach is not shortened. He still moves. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and mercy. You're an awesome God, an on-time God. I'm so unworthy to stand behind this sacred desk here today, Lord. But you are worthy of every good thing that could be said, every praise, every worship, every message that could ever be preached, Lord, to lift you up. You're worthy. Lord, I ask you for a special anointing on me and each and every one of us. Let us speak the word. Let us hear it. Let us understand it. And then let us respond to it as your spirit leads and guides us. In the matchless name of Jesus Christ, we pray right now. Let's love him one more time before we're seated. God still moves. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. A beautiful group, and I would just have a a little bit of advice. Uh, If you show up next week like you should, keep your commitments to God, but I would do it a little early because it's friends and family day. If everybody brings a friend, what are we going to have? We're definitely going to have the choir on the platform the whole service. And so that could be good too. I want to take you to another place that I have talked about before. Actually, I have uh, preached multiple messages about different points of, of this next reading. And uh, it, it's, a, it's, it's an incredible uh, reading and it gives us even more insight as to who God is and how God operates and uh, I love it I I said it this morning I said again this message will complement the 10 o'clock but uh, I kept on the Lord sometimes will drop a word sometimes I'll hear a song sometimes someone will say something 
uh, I'll hear something down the line, read something. And then sometimes the Lord just, just gives me a little word. And then I have to go and, and look and research. And such is the case today. And I want to take us to the book of Habakkuk. We don't preach out of that much. Uh, uh, two people told me this morning they didn't think they'd ever heard uh, Habakkuk preached out of. And uh, I have a couple of times I know for certain. But we're going to go to the third chapter and we're going to read three verses right there. And uh, this will be, uh, be good. And it will give us some insight about our God. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet upon Shagayanoth. We've preached about that word right there. Now listen to his, listen to his prayer. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known. In wrath, remember mercy. That was the prayer of what we would call this uh, minor prophet. There none of them minor to us. But scripture refers to some of them that don't have as much writing. So let's read his prayer one more time. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known. In wrath, remember mercy. Verse number 3. God came from Teman, and the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. His glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. There is an interesting little passage right there that starts off verse number 3. God came from Teman. If God came from somewhere, he was moving. However, we know that God is everywhere all the time. So how could it possibly be that God came from somewhere? So I want us to understand how this works. And, and just a reminder, most, most everybody here already knows, but just so it's here. God is everywhere and somewhere at the same time. What is that? That's a manifestation. So do we believe that when the Lord was in the Ark of the Covenant, where His power and authority, where that flame would burn, where, where, the, uh, where the tablets were, where the miracles and the Word and, and those things were at, we know that there's what is called a manifestation of God that was in that box. But still yet, how did that box, once it was captured and the box itself taken over by the Philistines, and how was it that God recovered the manifestation of the box? Because he's still God and he's still everywhere. It's the same way he can be the lion and the lamb, the father, the son, the Holy Ghost, the friend and the judge, the lawyer, a good witness. He can be anything that he manifests himself to be and still be everywhere. Because he's God. He's got that ability. And so here it is. The Bible says that God came from Teman. What caused God to come from Teman? What caused a manifestation of his spirit to move? A 33-word prayer by a minor prophet with a funny name. 33 words, folks, and it just moved all of heaven in such a way that God manifests himself into, a, into another feeling, into another emotion, into another so much more that you could add to that. And he, he manifests his holy presence where they knew he's everywhere, but he's right here. 
You see, I know God is in Africa today. I know he's in Australia. I know he's all across Europe. I know that. I know he's in Asia. But I feel a manifestation of the Holy Ghost in this room. Uh, that's, that's the God I serve. And so this, this guy prays. Habakkuk prays. Oh, Lord, I've heard the speech. I was afraid. Lord, revive the work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known. In wrath, remember me. And God came from Teman. I like it when we pray simple prayers and a tremendous God that is everywhere determines right then that he's going to be somewhere. I like it when we show up and we turn the music on. The lights are down low each night from 7 to 8. and They're down low and the platform's lighting most everything up. And, and the music's just playing along. I know we've been hearing the same songs for 22 days. Why change it now? So we'll just keep playing that same CD over and over until the end of the month. But I get it. I understand. But here's what I like. We can show up here. There may be 10 cars. There may be 12. There may be 15. We've had as many one night as about 31 or 32 people come and go through here I thought that was a fairly good representation but here's what I want us to know although he's God everywhere I like it that when we began to pray just a few of us the band wasn't playing the singers weren't singing we just had a little background music all of a sudden God moved here Woo! so it's clear in the beginning that both of these verses refer to us is that God is everywhere, but yet he still moves. Surely we don't think that at the moment when he moved upon the face of the earth that he was only bound to the face of the earth. No, when he moved in that box, when he moved in the flesh and the express image of the flesh of Jesus Christ, he was still God everywhere. His spirit still dwelt everywhere. But the manifestation and the image of the unseen God was Christ Jesus. Why? Because he is God and he can be anywhere and still be somewhere. Uh, I like it. I like it. So the Lord moved. On the face of the earth. I, I, I like this right here. God, God is everywhere. But in some places at certain times. There is a magnification that we know. As a manifestation of his spirit. It doesn't mean that he was not already. Wherever he went. We'll know more in a minute. It doesn't mean that he wasn't already. It just means that his power was not in a, in a changing uh, environment or atmosphere. There, there wasn't anything being done there except he was just seeing. But when people pray, you know, I read that, uh, that, that passage there that Habakkuk prayed, and, and that's, that's, that's a good prayer, but I didn't learn any new words. I mean, it didn't seem like anything, you know, it doesn't seem like a, you know, if you read that, and, and, and this is no shade on Habakkuk, but if you read that prayer, you know why he only wrote three chapters. He, he's not a wordsmith, it doesn't appear. He, he, he's a simple, he's, he's like me. He prays a simple prayer, but God ordained him to write a book that would last forever. 
So it was an incredible moment. So these three verses we read is is really God changes his world. He changes everything Habakkuk can see that's going on. The testimony is right there in verse number 3. It's very short. Again, it's just 33 words. But here's what we need to know. God hears our prayers. If it's two words, if it's one word. I know how to pray in one word. Jesus. When that 18-wheeler's coming into my lane, I don't have to have some long rehearsed. I don't have to know all of his titles. I don't have to declare all the places that he's taken over and all the people that he's saved and sanctified and delivered. All I got to do is say, Jesus, he understands the prayer of the simple. Watch this. Watch this. I like it. The prophet Elijah, he spoke a 63-word prayer at Mount Carmel, and fire fell from the sky. What was that? It was a manifestation of God in just 63 words. In a man that dealt with depression and suicidal tendencies, he dealt with all types of problems and was challenged and was scared of one woman when the Lord would help him to destroy 450 prophets and 400 prophets. And and so many other times he would go through lots of things. But in this one little time, in this one little situation, he, he speaks 63 words. And the entire world recognizes who God is. Folks, we don't have, I've had people say before, uh, Brother Rusty or whatever, how they address me, uh, ugly. Yes, yeah, I answered that too. And, and they said, I don't really know how to pray. I said, just talk. Just talk. Too, too many people, to, and I don't even like these kind of people. I don't like, I don't, I, I, that's not right. I don't like their spirit. <laughs> I don't like the kind of people that have to go, oh, Heavenly Father, from the most righteous, and and go into this deep, you wonder who's that talking through them. It's not them. And they get over here and somewhere have to get back to their, oh, I missed a word. You know, that's that's not instantaneous prayer that, that moves God. Passion moves God. Honesty moves God. Desperation moves God. Hopelessness moves God. You can pray in all those ways and God will move. Everything that we heard, I I took note of this one time, preached the whole thing, uh, and I'd like to find those notes sometimes, but how many of you had a bumper sticker or, or, or maybe you had a necklace or a little ring on your finger or, or maybe you had a t-shirt or you had it put on your, your Bible cover or something. But in the early 2000s, WWJD, what would Johnny do? No, no, that's what would Jesus do. And that came from the prayer of Jabez. If you, if you begin to read the prayer of Jabez, it's a very simple, just, just two or three, four words. I should have went and looked it up again. But it's just a few words right in the middle of this big, massive story. But the Bible tells us that through his little prayer that seemed insignificant to other people that pray, that seemed simple and small, it changed every single generation that followed him. 
It's why the prayer of Jabez became so popular and so famous and people started recognizing you don't have to be some great prayer warrior with a, with a 12 year degree in theology and a doctorate plus 30 to know how to pray. But if you know how to call his name, if you know how to say, I don't know what to say, but I'm here. I don't know how to talk to you, but I'm talking. I don't know how to worship you, but this is all I've got. It's just me. God moves on that. He responds to that. There are no professional prayer warriors. I pray all the time, almost every night, if the choir ever wonders, why can't we seem to get over the hump if, there's, if there is a hump? If y'all ever think about that, and yeah, why can't we seem to seem like maybe we're one? I pray all the time that y'all are never good enough to be professional. Every night, I say, Lord, don't let our choir want to be professional. You let them want to be as good as they can be, but more than anything, if they sound like a box of frogs, make sure anointing falls. Come on, we're not looking to look good. We're not looking to act good. We're not looking to stand tall. We're looking to till and plow up the field so that the seed of truth can be planted and the Holy Ghost can move and worshipers will arise. All right. Bible makes a promise that the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. What does that mean? That's talking about a, a red hot prayer. Something that's right now. God save my family. Lord don't let me die in my sins. Don't let it, It's the unrehearsed. The unpracticed. It, it, it's the prayer that brings down the fire. This is, this is promising to us. Because that passion begins to move God. More than rehearsal. More than professionalism. Passion moves God more than a studied prayer. Passion moves God. It's the most important thing. Lord. When, when, when we call out on the name of the Lord. With passion in prayer. Jesus put the Pharisees, I'm going to prove it to you. He downgraded them. He downgraded the Pharisees. Who were they? They were the professional religious people. They were the people that could look at you and judge you and look you up and down and tell you how you were wrong and, and how you were going to be lost and how you weren't doing the right thing. And, and they could look at you and they, they had a lot of education in Scripture. They knew a whole, whole lot. But here's what the Lord said. He said, don't pray like them. They've practiced. It's a, it's a public show of some spirituality they claim to have. Uh, watch this. Back to Habakkuk. Let's listen to the prayer again. We've heard it twice. Let's hear it again. Oh, Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. Oh, Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years make known. In wrath remember mercy. In the middle of the battle, in the middle of destruction, in the face of this failure, this man, this simple man doesn't have a whole, whole lot except the most incredible thing that he's got a book in the Bible. Besides that, we just don't see an Elijah or Elisha or Isaiah or Jeremiah. We see some things, but we don't see it here. And we see 33 passionate words right here that just says, Lord, I, I heard you. And it brought fear to, to my heart and to my life and I'm asking you to revive what's been lost and what's been taken and the trouble that we're in help God heard that you can look at his testimony 
in verse number 3. And those four words say it all. God came from Teman. <laughs> you see, Habakkuk wasn't in Teman. He was somewhere else in a, in a poor situation with, with, with a card stacked against him. He was in a whole nother place, a whole nother environment. But the Bible says that when he prayed these 33 words that, that God manifest himself and left where he was. Watch, watch. This gets good right here. So I've done a study on Teman and I've read about it again this morning and, and just discovered I, now with this uh, little better technology and quicker internet speed, I, I should have gotten uh, Brother Beckham and uh, uh, Brother Dwayne to look some stuff up for us. But if you were to look at Teman, this, this region that God came from to, to, to run to Habakkuk's prayer and to his answer. When he came from there, it's speaking of uh, the, the mountain of Paran, uh, Paran and uh, it's a place called Teman. It's a, it's a very significant place in Scripture. It's a, it's a mountain range that's, that's in a horseshoe shape and starts way over here and, and travels many, many, many miles of, of mountains and, and it comes back around to where there's just one opening. Just, just picture a horseshoe of mountains in your mind and, and you're getting close. And So this range is called uh, Teman and, and it's ridgeline and it includes Mount Paran where some pretty incredible things happen. But Listen to this right here. Inside of this area, some believers, uh, Old Testament people that have studied and theologian, they, they believe that the greatest manifestations in the Old Testament happen within this region of Teman. Within this horseshoe area of mountains. And uh, they believe that. And here's why. is because so many things happen. And God uh, does so many works there. Teman uh, in that region. In that mountainous range that the Bible said God came from. It's where the Israelites got close to the mountain. And they got close to God. And it was there that he caused it to tremble on their behalf. So they would know he was their God. And they were his people he caused that range to tremble this is the region where fire fell from heaven for the prophet that we talked about just a few moments ago this is where God gave his promises in word and in commandments on written stone was in this same region this is an area where God is clearly and continuously working and showing manifestations of himself but in the middle of all of these great things and many more things could be said about that region and much more could be preached about. But in the middle of all of this stuff, one guy, hungry for a move of God, prays a 33-word prayer, and God obviously clearly stated in his own heart, in his own mind, he said, I'm going to leave the citadel of miracles. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave the stronghold of my people. I'm going to leave the place where I have always shown out before. Not leave as in gone. But I'm just going to let my spirit settle right there. And I am going to go with a fresh manifestation. And I'm going to go to a man that is in need. I want to tell you folks. God may show up on the day of Pentecost. Yes he did. He shows up in every single service. He shows up for the rich and 
for the poor and for no matter who they are or where they come from. But too many times we get in my mind and in our mind, it can only happen at a certain time with a certain song, in a certain revival, in a certain place, in a certain posture. I want to tell you that God will leave the greatest revival in the world to come minister to one single person. He'll take a manifestation. I wish I had the video to show you of this great revival that's been happening in the Philippines. It's been on and off for a number of years, but they've got these tents and these lights strung up and, and they've got speakers going down a row about a quarter of a mile each direction and, and the platform and there's people out there that don't know the Lord and there's preachers from the, from the states there preaching and, and they're interpreting it so everything is on delay and then by distance it's on delay and there's people everywhere it's just incredible how the Lord swept across that tabernacle just made out of some poles and some sheets and blankets and various materials and in a few moments time 200,000 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost people that had never felt him people that didn't know him people that didn't understand him that's wonderful pastor but what I'm telling you is he can move from 200,000 in the Philippines to your simple prayer today come on he wants to save you he wants to deliver you he wants you to be baptized in his name he wants to write your name in the Lamb's book of life he wants to call you his own he wants to do it just for you Woo. he's on the move from his focus being anywhere to being somewhere I don't consider myself to know a whole lot. Definitely not a well-spoken person. But I want you to understand that when I pray, God moves. Now see, that sounds like I'm being a little haughty. But now I'm going to spin it around. When you pray. Come on. When you pray. When you pray. Well, Bible said call two or three, call the elders of the church. Oh, yeah, that's one way. There's some promises in that. But here's what I'm going to tell you. When somebody says, Lord, I'm nothing but a dirty, rotten, scoundrel sinner that needs you, it quickens the ear and the eye and the mind of an almighty God. And he runs to where you're at. And he said, I will leave Teman. I will leave the revival to get to that one. There are people that are sick, people that are down, people that are out. Well, what do we need to do? We need to call in some prophet and pour six gallons, of, uh, six quarts of oil over their head rather and have an Old Testament anointing. No, friend, it's different now. The Bible said since the day of Pentecost that God came to live inside of humanity through his spirit, which is called the Holy Spirit, the Holy God, the Holy One from Israel, the wine, the new, the new fire, the new flame the new wine he said we'd have rivers of living water flowing from inside here's what I'm telling you it's good to have a group it's good to have two it's good to have three but if you by yourself can pray one simple prayer that's passionate God will move I wish somebody just stand up right now and declare your family declare your finances declare your health 
Declare healing over that relationship. Come on, do you have 60 seconds? You don't have a pre-planned prayer, so just say what's on your heart. Call the names of your children. Speak it done. Come on, do you have 30 seconds in you? Do you still believe he raises the dead? Do you still believe he can open a blind eye? Do you still believe he can unstop a deaf ear? Do you still believe that? It's not going to take something fancy. It's not going to take some crusade. It's not going to take evangelism in a suitcase. All it's going to take is for one person to say, God, I'm tired of being bound by these drugs. I'm tired of being bound by this alcohol. I'm tired of being bound in this relationship. I'm bound. I want to be free. Somebody hear me right now. Beautiful prayers are beautiful. Effective prayers are passionate. Pastor, nobody understands the financial situation we're in. I tell you what. You can hire all the bookkeepers. You can hire all the lawyers. You can hire all the financial advisors. You can get Merrill Lynch involved. You can have a CD. You can have an IRA. You can have a Roth account. You can, have, you can do all kinds of things. But I'm going to tell you something. When it goes bad, you ain't calling on none of that. Come on. I know what you're calling on. Jesus. I don't have a fancy prayer, but I know I'm losing everything I've got. I don't have a fancy prayer, but my marriage is in trouble. I don't have a fancy prayer, but the old me's trying to catch up. God. Oh, I wish somebody would do that right now. I feel something deep. I feel something moving, not on the surface, but at the root. tell you right now in the spirit of understanding and you that know me know I'm not going to say this word right here lightly but even in a, a prophetic word if you will the enemy does not have anything over you he does not have anything over me he does not have anything over this church he does not have anything over this city he does not have anything over the people that he's caused us to reach Philip was in a red-hot revival in the book of Acts chapter 8. The city was burning with the power of God. And then in one moment, he spoke to Philip, and he said, I want you to leave here and go to the desert. Why do you want me to go to the desert? There's one man, an Ethiopian eunuch, that's going to need to be baptized in Jesus' name, and he's going to need to be filled with a, hey, I don't want to leave this revival. I'm telling you. That I am moving you from this great revival to go find one Ethiopian eunuch. Leave the 99 and go after the one. 
Leave the nine cone, the coins, and light a fire and sweep the house till you find the one that's lost. Come on. I've got two sons, and the one that's coming back home is the one. Does this mean God's not everywhere? No, it just means when he gets ready, he can be somewhere. It was there that prophecy was fulfilled. You know I'm not going to tell you to sit down, so do what you want to do. Prophecy was fulfilled in that man's life to be water baptized in the name of the Lord and to be filled with the greatest gift known to humanity, the gift of the Holy Ghost. Watch this. In Acts 10, the Apostle Peter, he too is in a red-hot revival Smoking the town down. I mean, it is happening. The Lord Jesus is being preached. Everything is moving. And he says, all right, Peter. We're moving. We may we're moving. Me and you are moving. Why? Because there's one guy. Yeah? His name is Cornelius. And if we don't move now. Come on, Lord. I'm, I'm enjoying this revival I'm in. Yeah, but the problem is I'm moving. My manifestation's fixing to be right there. If you want to miss me, you miss me. But somebody will do it. It was there that prophecy was fulfilled. And he heard the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God robed in flesh. He heard him preached. He knew of his history. And he was water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Ghost fell upon him. And his life was changed. And he was a man of influence. God don't have to be in the middle of a red hot revival to get one. He can be everywhere. But all he's got to do for you is be somewhere. God still moves. God still moves. I want somebody to hear me right now. This church is in revival. Wonderful things have happened. We've had people baptized about 14 out of the last 18 weeks, either Sunday or Wednesday. Some of those weeks, multiples. And it has been an incredible time. People have had a revelation of baptism. They've had a revelation of Jesus' name, baptism. They've had an understanding that they've never had before. And they said, Pastor, I see it for the first time ever. I understand it. I want you to know this is coming through prayer and fasting. But while everybody else is having a revival, he's ministering to one. You see, he will minister to us collectively and corporately and as a body. But there is no body without anybody. Did you hear that? We collectively make the body. But as individuals, we're saved. I want to I wanna, I wanna just minister to somebody right now. Just, just listen to me right now. I just got just a, few, just a few minutes. I'm almost done. You walked into this place today. Maybe it's your first time. We have several folks here. Today's their first time. So don't feel soloed. If it applies, then I'm preaching to you. 
you walked in today with questions about a lot of things. Maybe even is the Lord still talking to me? Does he still know me? Does he still love me? Does he still care? I want to tell you that this church has been in an ongoing revival truly for a number of years. But certainly in the last few months, it's been, it, the heat's been turned on. I'm, I'm glad for all these that have been baptized. There's, there's, there's 10 or 12 in the room here today that just been baptized in the last little bit. I'm proud for those that have been filled with the Spirit. I'm, I'm, I'm proud for those that are Spirit-led. Their lives are changing. Everything about them, is, it's, it's, it's happening. The promises. I'm glad that those things are happening. But you should not feel insignificant because everybody showed up feeling what you feel. I hadn't been to the house of the Lord in a long time, Pastor. But you're here today. We can't change yesterday, but we can change the effects of life that yesterday has on us. Come on, somebody hear me. He showed up for Life Point Church today, but he showed up for you particularly on your pew, in your circumstance, in your situation, in your current status. God showed up for you. Oh, yeah, God will move on our sickness. But God wants to move on your sickness. God will bless his people, but he wants to bless you. I, I like people that pray in faith. I like people, uh, what I like is not all that important, but I just still want to share it. I like people that pray and speak things done, things that are not as though they were and things that... We're not as though they are. Hey, I like it when people speak with power and with authority. People say, well, that's, for the, that's just for the preacher. That's just for the choir. No. No, that's for you. I can't save you. The choir can't save you. We can help introduce an environment. But for you to be saved is going to be up to you. Some people that just need to, even if it's in their spirit, stand up and let the Lord know, I'm here. We knows all things. Well, if you want to take that approach, then why pray? Why be baptized? I mean, if everything is he knows your heart, why come to church? Because there's some orders. There's some things he honors. There's some things he lives in. There's some things he dwells in. There's some orders that we have from heaven. Here's one of those orders. Whosoever thirst, who? That's one. Oh, it can extend to many, but it's one. Whosoever thirsts, let him come and drink, and he'll never thirst again. If he's hungry, let him come, and he'll never hunger again. He'll be satisfied. God still moves, He wants to move on your sickness, He wants to move on your home. He wants to move on your needs. He's listening. The Bible said his ear and his eye are perpetually tuned. If you can see a picture of God, don't see him on a cross. It's one of the things that always puzzles me. Christians want to make sure they display their Christians 
by putting Jesus on the cross. Folks, he's not on a cross. I mean, I get it. I understand it. The tomb is empty. The cross is gone. People said one time, Pastor, I, I like y'all's church, but I don't understand why y'all don't have a cross behind the baptistry and a cross on the steeple. I said, well, please don't take this as a sign of disrespect, but the God we serve is not on the cross. He defeated the cross. He's not in a tomb. He defeated the tomb. He's ascended back into heaven and sent his spirit back. You want to show me you're a Christian? Worship like one. Live like one. Act like one. Talk like one. Dress like one. You want to show me that Christ lives in you? Pray over your food when nobody else is praying. You know, my wife, hey, baby, I know she's holding one of the grandbabies, but just stand up for a minute because there's a few people that don't know you. I know, I'll play later, but it's okay. Okay, y'all, that's my wife. She's the most beautiful woman in the building for 31 years. All right. Now watch this. She's not loud. She's not boisterous. She don't, she, don't, she don't do a whole lot uh, openly. She doesn't care for anybody to know what work she does for the kingdom. She's just not that person. She, she's going to do what she does. And, and, and that's that. And that's a lot of work. She just don't need to be praised about it. She's better than I am. Every now and then I need an attaboy. She don't need that. She's cool without it. But there's one thing, she, she's, she's, she's not ashamed of it. She's just not as serious about it as I am. She'll pray with the rest. She'll, she'll, she'll pray with you in the altar and cry and snort. And, 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 you know, I mean, she'll teach Bible studies, tell you why she is what she is, and she does what she was, and she'll go visit and whatever. She'll even tell you why she still loves me, if you ask. But I've noticed for years she believes the Lord gave us that food already blessed. She believes that. And, and I'm not saying she, she don't like to pray for her food. But I can tell you that's usually about when she's pouring ketchup. That's usually when she's unrolling. She's not ashamed. You go look at her all of her social media profiles and say she's not ashamed. Sometimes I'll just sit there and wait. The girl's hungry. That's what the bishop says. says she's hungry. I don't know what it is. But I look at her, and sometimes I do it on purpose. I wait until she's just a, she's doing something, and, and just to see. And I pray, and I even peek every now and then to see what she's doing. And she'll be going. Sometimes it's even. And I'll finish the prayer by. Chuck, I'll say, and Lord, don't let that French fry kill her. But see, I, I got enough Holy Ghost. I, I know rebellions as a sin of witchcraft, but I don't really know what other word to use beside, well, I'm not going to use rebellion. That'd be an oxymoron. There's no such a thing as Holy Ghost rebellion. So I don't know what it is. Maybe just pride. 
I know you can be proud in the Lord. That's not an earthly pride or a lustful pride. So we'll just call it that. I'm proud. They're all proud to polish off that, that, uh, that big tall boy across the room. You go to the steakhouse, they're all satisfied knocking them mugs down. Woohoo! Games playing, people throwing stuff and going crazy, losing their mind. So I just want to make sure. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this food. You know what's awesome? I've watched it more than one time, Brother Bradley. I've watched families across the way stop what they're doing and pray. What does that mean? That means that even the little things, if we mean it in our heart, God will show up. God will show I could I could show you pictures of Calcutta, India, where almost two million people are homeless. They eat rats. They, they eat what's left over of other people. Come on. Just go, just go look at Calcutta. Go look. It's unreal how they live. Live in the streets with everything that is imaginable. From children being born on dirty sidewalks. And two million population of homeless people. It's just unreal. It's unreal. I ought to be thankful for my food. I ought to be willing to just say thank you Lord that I'm not on the street. Thank you Lord that I'm not under a bridge at at 30 and grand. I've heard some people, and I'm, I'm closing, but I've heard some people almost with a ruthless spirit say, well, if they hadn't turned to alcohol and drugs, they wouldn't be there. And you know what? Probably 95% of the cases, you're right. You're 100% right. But if that's all we can come up with for them folks, we better check our spirit. Well, that's what they deserve. No, because if we all had what we deserved, a lot of us would be dead or locked up. There'd be very few people in this room. We hadn't got good enough for Jesus. We hadn't earned Jesus. We hadn't got good enough for streets of gold. We'll never accomplish enough. You'll never give enough money, enough time in prayer. You won't read the Bible enough to earn the goodness. Let's stand. Come on, singers. I preached 40 minutes. That's five minutes long, and I want to preach. Somebody set those lights for an altar call. Yes, I feel that for a reason. I'm giving an invitation right now, and I know everyone could run to the altar, and that would make it so easy. I want to share with you what I feel right now before, before we make a, a huge appeal to this altar. One of the things, and I've shared it with many people many times, and many of you have heard this, but I'll never forget in Tioga, Louisiana, on what we call the old campgrounds, about 6,000 people jammed into a room, spirits moving. Towards the end of service, there was a child sitting behind us, one pew, 
And that child was sick and was having all kinds of problems and all kinds of situations. And the family was looking for a minister. And I was a minister. I didn't feel nothing. Didn't feel anything specific to pray. I just didn't feel like it was my place. Maybe somebody a little older, this is 25, 28 years ago. Somebody a little older, maybe a little more mature. Somebody might speak something into their life. May do a better job. And in my mind, I'm just saying, Lord, you, you, you know what's best. You know what's best. You know what's best. And this elder come walking down the aisle. He probably came. We were probably on the 40th, 30th pew from the front maybe all the way towards the back. Big, massive balcony all the way around. This huge place. One man came. Then another man. I said, all right, Lord. Now, there's, there's some powerful prayer warriors right there. There's some preachers, some pastors, some prophets. And I'll just kind of join in with them. This family was desperate. You should have heard their cries. You, 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 I wish you could see the look on their face. It was a desperate moment. Imagine one of your children dying. That was the desperation. This child had no future, had no outlook on life that was positive. And from the front of the building came this elder, distinguished-looking gentleman. And he prayed a beautiful prayer. I mean, it was just... It touched me. It was, it was beautiful. And he ended the prayer. And this is no rebuke or curse to him. Maybe it's just his style. I, I don't know. I took it different. It changed the way I prayed. But at the end of his prayer, he said, God, if you'd do this, let it be done tomorrow. something hit me and said he don't have enough faith to declare it now he's afraid that if it don't happen now he won't look like a man of God so he gives God an out and said God if it's your will let it be done tomorrow that's how I took it and the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said you're going to pray you're going to pray for me now I'm a God of immediately I'm a God of here you came bound Hooked up by something, bound up by... I'm not going to pray God deliver you Tuesday. You may not have till Tuesday. Showed up with needle tracks in your arms and and last week's party still on your breath. I'm not going to ask God to do something for you in October. I want to do something right now. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, Now you pray for that little girl. I turned around and I said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, right now, you don't need a day, you don't need an out, you don't need an excuse, right now, your word said you wouldn't withhold any good thing from your children. I declare your healing and your mercy. The Holy Ghost hit that pew and the whole family started dancing. He can do it for you now. You don't need 12 steps. You don't need Alcoholics Anonymous or Opioid Crisis Center. What you need is an altar right now. Maybe none of those things fit you, but if you need God and you're not wanting, you'll wait as long as he wants you to wait, but it's not your desire and you believe he's a God that'll do it right now. I want you to come. I'll anoint you with all our prayer warriors of God. Ministers are going to come.